0: Father God, I just thank you so much. Um, Thank you for this church that we're able to gather here, Lord, that we're able to gather and dive into your word, Lord. Thank you for this book of 1 John chapter 5, and I just thank you for the reassurance that you've sent your son Jesus for all of us, for me, for all of us here, Lord, and for the world. I pray that as I go through this teaching, Lord, um, all the nerves are removed, Lord, and that your plan for this time and your words will just come from my heart for my lips, and that anything I have will be removed, Lord. And I just thank you so much again for the honor of teaching your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so like I said, throughout the, the whole book of 1 John, he gave us the reasons why he's writing to us. Um, in addition to 1 John 5.13 I read earlier, 1 John 1.4, he says, in these things we write to you that your joy may be full. 1 John 2.12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. 1 John 2.26, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And 1 John 2.1, My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. We are God's children, and he wants us to be in fellowship with us. He's given us these, this book John's words on how we can do that with confidence. Um, So I am going to break it down into four sections. We have a lot to cover. Um, So one, I'm going to try and not speak too fast. Feel free to just shoot your finger up if I'm talking too fast and you can't understand me. And I'm also going to try not to talk for too long. So um, those are my hopes and prayers for this time. And um, so we'll start. I'm going to read 1 John um, 5, 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, and that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 1 starts with whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ born of God. Um, Whoever is an open invitation to follow Jesus. And when we believe that Jesus, who Jesus is, who he came, that he is the Messiah, we must also, one, love him who's begotten of him, and we love God and keep his commandments. In John 1, 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe his name. So once once we accept that invitation that God has given us, we're to begin our life in obedience to the Lord. So why does God want us to love the children of God? And I find that in 1 John 2, 3 through 6. In my Bible, it's titled, The Test of Knowing Him. And I really like that title. It reads, Now by this we know that we know him, if we can keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we're in him. This is a theme that God, ha- that John has continued throughout the entire book of first John, that we are to love his people. Um, and he gives us reasons why in first John four twenty. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar for who who does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother. Also, he repeats this three more times. First John two, nine and 10. He who says he's in light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Um, 1 John three ten. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And in 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God and he who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. We are to love. Why is that? Because God loved us first. Continuing on in that verse of 1 John 4 9, 4, 9 through 10, in this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The command is not because our love is conditional of our salvation and eternal life. It's because God loved us first. This kind of love is going to speak to the relationship and fellowship we have with God. Um, And as we continue to grow, our hope and prayer is that we become imitators of Christ. And Ephesians 5, 1 says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to the Lord. It is out of gratefulness that we serve God and that we love his people. It's a sacrifice sometimes to love. Honestly, it's a sacrifice to love some of his people. It's hard. (laughs) But if we really want to be Christians who walk through obeying the word, being doers of the word, we have to love his people. Um, and in that is obedience. Throughout this book, you'll see that if you love me, then you'll do this. There's a lot of if-thens. There's obedience in our relationship with Christ. Um, like I said, it's going to be hard. I bet all of us can probably think of people, God's people, that they have a hard time um, loving and obeying this command. Um, are you always loving to your husband? Are you always loving to your children? What about your family? Sometimes family can be the hardest ones to be loving to. Um, for me, sometimes it's the school pickup line. I'm telling you, I have a friend. God has blessed me with some really great friends in the Lord. And I'll call her and I'm driving up. I'm like, pray for me to shine the light of Jesus here. And I'll ask her, I was like, can I ask them if they're children of God first before I decide if I'm going to be loving? But no, that's not. I can't. But really, in those times, it's where our obedience to the Lord is going to shine through in how we love people. Um, So as the verse continues, not only are we to keep his commands, he slips a big and in there. And his commandments are not burdensome. I used to work in a 55 and over community, and that's where I met my lovely husband. And actually, that's 11 years, exactly a week from today, um, that we met. And so... um, if you've ever been in an active 55 and over community, you know that bingo is pretty serious. And I know these ladies didn't really care for me because I was terrible at bingo. I wasn't a good caller. I didn't take it serious. But my favorite part, we would sit around and I would talk to the ladies. And some of them were married. Some of their spouses had passed away. And there was one lady had a necklace with a ring on it. And it was her husband's ring. Um, And I was young and I hadn't, I didn't really know the Lord. I was just beginning my relationships. I'm like, why do you never remarry? Like, It was kind of an invasive question. But what she told me was that her husband was sick. And throughout the time that she took care of him, she had so much joy in caring for her husband and so much joy in serving him and being there with him up until he passed away. And she said she could never love someone else like that again. And the joy that she had, it would be a burden to care for someone else. And I pray that's the kind of love that we have for God that we love him more than any other and there is no other and that we have joy in obeying his commands and loving people. Um, So when we truly love God and keep his commandments, they will not be burdensome because as we grow closer to him, our desire is to please him and obey him and only him and that is the the true source of joy. Continuing on in 1 John 5, um, verse 4 and 5, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So he begins with faith. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Our faith is how we believe, and how we overcome is by faith in Jesus as well. John has been outlining the simplicity of our assurance of eternal life. First, we believe Jesus is the Christ. We're born of God. Not only are we born of God as children of God, but with that victory, we've overcome the world by the power of Jesus. Um, So how does this victory of overcoming the world show us we have eternal life? I found that in Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death is in a world apart from Christ. Our victory over things of the world was set in motion by God's great love for us, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And the section ends in 1 John 5, 5. With who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, by faith, we know we have eternal life. And by obedience is how we show we love God. 1 John 1 4 says, And these things I write to you that your joy may be full. So, that's one of those reasons. And I feel like this first section really outlines how our joy is full. By believing that Jesus is the Christ, He came in the flesh as the Messiah. And by obeying the Lord's commands. In that hope is where we find true joy. This is a free gift to be a child of God. And he says, whoever. So again, this is offered up to everyone, even though everyone may not receive that gift. It is a true, it is a gift for those who believe. Um, So obedience, again, is a, um, a theme of this chapter. And obedience was not something that I really understood what it meant as a child. Actually, I think my mom about died when our pastor said the obedience statement in the wedding. I think she might have passed out. Um, But the way that I was taught obedience really was obedience out of fear of earthly consequences. I'm your mom. You obey me. Or I'm going to take all your stuff away. And that was terrifying. So I didn't obey out of love. I obeyed out of compliance because I wanted my stuff. So as Pastor Jim says, I had to debug the program and learn what obedience was, especially as a wife who wanted to be obedient to her husband. Um, I learned that obedience to the Father is because I really believe he knows what's best in me, and I truly believe he loves me. And I want to live my life according to his will, knowing he has made a way for me to spend eternity with him. Um, And we're going to move on to section two. Section two is going to be um, 1 John 5, 6 through 13, so this is kind of a long one, um, and I believe this one is summed up by the reason that John wrote to us in 1 John two twenty six. these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Deception is around us, it is apparent, and again, John lays it out for us by the uh, power of the Holy Spirit, how we cannot be deceived. Um, so I'm going to read 1 John 5, uh, 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. John is declaring again that Jesus came in the flesh, and he, this is the, as he did in the beginning of this book in 1 John 1, 1. Um, and I'm going to read 1 John 1, 1 through 3. with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship is believing that Jesus came in the flesh. And it was important to know and believe that Jesus came into the flesh because of the deception. Um, So this was a fun book. My um, first time coming up here and teaching you guys. There was definitely some things in here that could be interpreted differently. So thankfully, Claudia Claudia was available during all those questions. So I'm going to go over... um, what he might have meant by he came by water, Jesus Christ, not only by water and by blood, because there's roughly three um, beliefs on what that means from different Bible teachers. So I discuss with Claudia and Jim, and I'll go over the three that you might have read, and then I'll discuss what we think is likely here. Um, so the first one is that the water and blood is the water from the fluid as he was born of a human and the blood from his death. Number two, the water from his baptism, and again, the blood shed at his death. Or number three, the water and the blood is what came out when his side was pierced. I want you to keep in mind, whatever is, whatever you believe he might mean here, it doesn't change that he John was saying that, that Jesus came in the flesh. Um, so, and that's... Crucial really to the point of God's witness of his son and what he testified of his son because we have faith in Jesus. And now John is going through the witness of God. You have assurance in this witness and in your faith because you believe what God says. Um, So again, I discussed this with, with Claudia and Jim and with the context of this text, we would agree that he's referring to the water at baptism and the blood shed from his death on the cross. Feel free to spend some more time. I did see different views from other Bible teachers. So um, again, it doesn't change what were uh, the point of the text. So he, John's sharing evidence for the witness that Jesus came in the flesh as Jesus the Christ. Not Jesus Christ as a man, but Jesus the Messiah. Um, and we can have certainty in the witness that God testified of his son. We must believe who Jesus is to put our faith in him to receive that gift of eternal life. Um, so continuing in verse 6, and it is a spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. John is giving evidence for Jesus' humanity by a- addressing that there are witnesses for his life, including him. John in 1 John 1.1, he saw Jesus. Um, and then he is testifying to the witness of the spirit of truth. He is giving proof to the believer so that we can be armed and ready when deceivers come. And not only were there deceivers then, there are deceivers now. Um, the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus in Matthew three sixteen, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is the Spirit of truth who is testifying of Jesus coming in the flesh. We have without a doubt that same Spirit of truth living in us as children of God. First John 5, 7, and 8, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. As you might have read if, you have home, if you're in a homework group, that there's a part of that text that may not have been in the original manuscript from John. Um, so that's after heaven and ending at earth, so I'll read it to you without... Those words, um, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. So one, it is a beautiful testimony to the Trinity, the verses that were in there, but it doesn't, again, change what he is saying. And it reiterates what he says in verses 6 through 8, that we have confidence in the witness of God for his son, Jesus, through the spirit of truth that he came in the flesh. Um, He speaks again of the spirit of truth in John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. Um, So he's giving us, again, the testimony. We have evidence from the text. If we believe that Jesus is the Messiah... We have this evidence. We can have confidence in our relationship with God. Um, But he was also going to be warning of another testimony, and that is the testimony um, and witness of man. Um, So I'm going to read in 1 John 9 through 12. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is a witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has a witness in himself, and he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is a testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Oh, I actually wrote this. I wrote reading my Bible, and then I have all these extra notes here. All right. Um, so, what if we believe in the witness of man? What's going to happen? We're going to be deceived. John also warned of deceivers throughout this book. So I'm gonna reference a lot of scripture from 1 John uh, books one through four because this really is a summary of all he's teaching us. He's really reiterating and driving home and giving us that surety. So from 1 John 2, 18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come by which we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they were of us, they would not have continued with us. And he also gave us instruction on how to know who is of us in 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God, and every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Again, he gives us a practical test of who is of God and who is not. You must believe that he came into the flesh. Um, there is a chance he could be warning against the Gnostics. There was a teaching of that time that um, of Gnosticism that believed that like, material existence was flawed or evil. So they were teaching, um, and this is again why I believe that he was referring to his baptism by the water because their teaching was that. Jesus is born a regular old man, and then at his baptism, the spirit of the, Messiah, of the Christ came upon him. And then at his crucifixion, the spirit departed. Um, so John wants us to know that we need to know either we believe in the testimony of God or we believe in the testimony of men, and that leads to eternal life. Um, this is practical. It is today as it was then. I've had people knock on my door. I have friends that maybe don't believe that Jesus is, is God. Um, they believe he is a God and that can be real tricky. So how do we, how do we, do we believe in this witness from them? Even people that we might love? We can't. So John is giving us, again, surety. The first time I ever did this Bible study was my first women's Bible study. I was really nervous, but I remember this lady, her name was Sandy, and she always said, we know that we know that we know that God loves us and that we have eternal life. And that was almost eight years ago, and I'll never forget that. Um, But again, John gives us this practical test. If someone says Jesus did not come in the flesh, born of God as a Messiah, they're not of God, and that's it. It's very simple. Um, so again, he might be warning of the teaching of the Gnostics, but be aware of deceivers today. Um, Jesus is the key to door fellowship to Christ and we have to have our faith in him. Earlier, uh, we studied the, I am statements from the Bible. John 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go out and find pasture Not only do we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he is the door to our salvation. We must be abiding in the word to believe that. Deception is all around us. So how do we protect ourselves from deception? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear you have to sanctify God's word in your heart because our hearts are deceptive. And when we receive the witness of men, our heart may be trying to say, well, are you sure? We, when we sanctify God's word in our heart, there's not gonna be a question of that. Um, and I like the with meekness and fear because are any of you passionate? My husband is so passionate. He's very intense. And so when he's talking about something he's really passionate about, you might take that like, amen. That's a little aggressive. But it is so important to share God's love with meekness and fear because, one, we fear him out of reverence, not out of losing our phones or things that we want. But we fear him because we know that he loves us and he's provided a way for eternal life. This whole book is a surety in God's love for us because he provided us with eternity. Um, So, It's only by knowing his word that we can have confidence in the witness of God. The confidence in the witness that God is giving of his son to protect us from the witness of men. 1 John 5, 10 through 11 says, He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. It's very clear. If you do not believe in the testimony God has given of his son, then you don't have eternal life. It's that simple. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And he ends this section again with a verse I said I believe really gives us a good summary of the whole book of 1 John um, uh, the whole book of First John, these things I've written to you who, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And what a blessed assurance that is. John wants us to know that we know that we know that we have eternal life and that eternal life is a gift of God out of his great love for us. He wants us to be aware. We need to know that there's deception um, and that the witness of God is greater than the witness of men. And Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together again with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. If you have any little ones in um, our, um, and on Sunday school, I don't know why that flew my hand, um, you might have been practicing with them. Um, but it is, John's teaching us, again, because of God's great love for us. Without the love, mercy, grace, and compassion, eternal life wouldn't be possible. And John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given us that absolute assurance that we've been given the gift of eternal life, and that one day we'll be praising God, hopefully soon. Um, so we're going to go to section three. And I believe section three section three is cha, cha, oh, 1 John 5, 14 through 17, and the reason that John wrote this book, I believe, the reason he gave us in 1 John 2:12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for forgiving you for his name's sake. So that's, again, one of those statements that why he wrote the book, and I believe that summarizes this section pretty well. So I'm going to read starting in verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. Verse 14 says we have confidence, not in ourselves. Confidence in ourselves is deception. It's fleeting. It is a lie. We have confidence in God. And in 1 John three twenty two, he says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing to his sight. The key word on this is if we ask according to his will, he hears us. We have confidence that we believe in God because we've taken the testimony of his son, Jesus. We believe that God loves us, crafted this perfect solution for our wretched sin. So we can have confidence when we pray to him that God hears us. And when we, we can have confidence, one, because we believe in God's testimony, but he also gives us evidence. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't been there to help us, or given us evidence in the text. Um, so some examples of the time that God hears the cries of his people, Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, Job thirty four twenty eight. So they cause the cry of the poor to come to him, for he hears the cry of the afflicted. Psalm 116, 1, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice, and my supplication. So there's a lot of scriptures. You can probably spend hours finding scriptures of how God hears us. And we can have confidence that as long as we're praying in his will, that he's going to hear us. And it doesn't mean the answer is always yes. He's going to give us an answer. It might be no. It might be maybe. It might be wait for me. It's wait because I'm not very patient. So a lot of times I feel like it's a wait. Um, But I know that I can have confidence in obeying God because he loves me. Um, So... Now that we know we have confidence in who Jesus is by putting our faith in him, we know God hears us, what do we do? In the next part of this verse, we're going to go through praying. We are to pray without ceasing, and as we grow and abide in Christ and abide in his word, those prayers are going to be answered according to his will. And how do we know his will? By reading his word. So not only are we to pray, um, but we're also to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm going to read... um, First John sixteen, First John five sixteen, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life. For those who commit sin not leading to death, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say he should pray about that. All in righteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. Um. So this is another one of those sections. What does he mean by this? What does he mean by sin not leading to death? So we'll get into that. Uh, But as believers, our goal is to sin less and not be sinless. And I think it was Claudia who told me that we're not sin sniffers, which I like. Um, But when we are seeing someone who is struggling, we're there for them. That comes out of the command to love your brethren. We're there for them. So Jesus interceded for us to the Father, As we imitate him and as we grow in him, we're to intercede for our brothers and sisters in Christ as well by prayer. So um, what do you think the main point is here? And that is that he will give them eternal life. So the main point is a brother and sister in Christ is struggling. We'll pray for them. God hears them and he will give them eternal life. 1 John 1, 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and the Father with his Son. This is a piece of fellowship in the body of believers. That we have confidence, we serve a God who hears and answers our prayers. And just not only that he wants us to hear him, he wants us to do what he's asking us to do. Be doers of the word, have fellowship amongst the believers. And through that, we also have great fellowship with him. Um, And the second part of 1 John 5, 16 through 17 says, there is sin leading to death. I do not say he should pray about that. All in righteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So this is another debated topic that I um, discussed with Claudia, and different Bible teachers have different views. Um, But with this, we believe with the context of the book that we're talking about having eternal life and knowing God, not knowing God and not having eternal life, that the sin leading to death here would be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, the purpose of him saying, I don't think you should pray about that, is not that you shouldn't be in prayer for your um, brothers and sisters in Christ, but we don't need to be praying for their salvation because they're already saved. We don't have to guess or wonder if a fellow believer is saved if they pass the test that John already gave us. First John 1 uh, First John 5 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So, think about that. Have you ever wondered if someone was saved? It's really not our place. Um, and then I think about the times I've done that. I drive by my neighbor's house, and she's got witches. And I know Halloween's a debated topic, but God has revealed to me that lightness has no fellowship with darkness, so we just don't participate. Um, And that's up to you and your walk with the Lord to decide. But my mind went to, she really saved. And that's not what my mind should be. I know she she has confessed that Jesus is Lord. My prayer should be, how can I pray for her for the word to speak to her, to bring someone to her. Maybe I'm that person. I don't know. And then I think of my own walk with the Lord. I was not always a Christian that was walking in the way that God wanted me to do. And it wasn't until I had loving, godly examples of friends and my very bold husband to say, if you don't stop this life, then that's it. He did. He almost broke up with me when we were dating. And I said, when are we getting married, sir? It's a blessing to lovingly guide our brothers and sisters in Christ through prayer, but it is a waste of time to pray for their salvation. That is not what God wants. He wants us to connect through prayer. How would you feel if you were doing something and someone said, are you really saved? Are you going to listen to what they say? Do you really think someone's going to want to have fellowship with us in that? I don't think so. So again, uh, moving on as for time, I'm taking a little longer, so I'm going to move on from here into section four. Section four can be summarized by 1 John 2.1, my little children... These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And this is a lifestyle of sin. So you may not be living a lifestyle so that you know that you know that you have salvation and that that is going to produce fruit in the life of a believer. It's a summary of what John has been teaching us in this book, to know without a doubt, eternal life has been gifted to us out of God's great love. So First John 5:18 through20, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Throughout those verses, 18, 19, and 20, he gives us three statements that we know. 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch, and we do not live in a lifestyle of sin. We have the Holy Spirit in us. 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world, in a, in a, I was looking at definitions of the world, and it was dangerous to the cause of Christ all of those things apart from, uh, from Jesus. Um, and 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So again, he's summarizing everything that he taught us. When we are born of God, we believe that Jesus is the only way to eternal life with the Father. In 1st uh, I'm sorry, in John 1, I keep saying 1 John, John 1, 12 through 13, but as many received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born of God, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if we are born of God, we don't sin. We're not in a habitual lifestyle of sin. And um, 1 John 3, 4, whoever commits sin commits lawlessness. So if you are in a lifestyle of sin—that's lawlessness. First John three nine: Whoever has been born of get, uh, I'm sorry. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. We make mistakes, so he wants us to come together as a body of believers to pray for each other. Um, but we have the Holy Spirit in us, and he gives us victory over sin. Um, and this um, is the full I wanted to expand on that verse, First uh, John, two, one through 12. Um, sorry. First John two, one and two. "My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but the whole world. The propitiation for sins. He satisfied that wrath of God for us, against sin. He satisfied the debt that we owed. And that gift of redemption is for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Um, at the end of verse 18, he says, the wicked one does not touch him. The whole world lies under this sway of the wicked one. So we know from the beginning of the book, by the power of Jesus, with our faith in him, Jesus is overcome. Um, and then he ends this book with one last thing. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from anything or any, anyone that's going to have an impact negatively on how how you walk with the Lord. So are you taking the witness of men? The witness of men is going to lead to idols. In the Bible, again, he gives us evidence. Idolatry led God's people astray, and there's going to be consequences, and those are loving consequences. So when we put our faith in God, we obey him. We might have consequences, but those are out of his love for us. Um, so what, the last thing I'd like to leave you with, um, is that we can pray together. I know we have the prayer, um, cards at our tables and prayer. Asking for prayer is hard for me because I don't want to be vulnerable, but I know vulnerability is really the only way we can grow. So of the things that we talked about, if you have anything of the world that's holding you back, or if you're struggling to love one of God's people, or if there's something in your life that's holding you back from fellowship with God, I ask that, Everyone shares a prayer request or praise if God has carried you through. But let's be a body of believers today that do what God wants us to do, that comes together, prays for each other, and have as a body that walk will bear the fruit of God. So we'll pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for this book of First John 5. Lord, for this entire book of First John. We all have the confidence that we know and believe God's testimony of his son, Jesus, that we have eternal life, Lord. And I pray and look forward to, d- to the day that we'll be praising you and having God. I just pray over the food. Thank you for all of the hands that um, brought the food. Thank you for the work. And I just pray for the time and our small groups um, for diving into this word more, Lord. And I just pray that um, all of our conversations, all of the discussions are going to be an honor to you. Thank you for this time. Amen.